It is Thursday, the 27th of May, 2021. We are hip deep in the Stanley Cup playoffs, so it's a great time to talk some hockey and throw in some wrestling with our guest, Reed Duffy, because you're listening to the Handsome Genius Club Radio Show. Guys, gals, and non-binary pals, welcome to the show. My name is Kingdom, Anthony Kingdom James. Before we get into today's interview, I want to take a moment to remind you all about my Patreon account, patreon.com slash mynameiskingdom. For as little as $2 a month, you can help support this podcast, and you'll receive access to a ton of my creative output in return, including exclusive episodes of The Handsome Genius Club, plus my monthly exclusive conversations with wrestler Holden Albright, all of my comic strips with bonus panels, exclusive videos and blogs, t-shirts, shoutouts, and so much more. Tiers are set at $2, $5, $10, and $20 per month, and every subscription helps keep the lights on here at Cassidy Kingdom. The more supporters I have via Patreon, the more I am able to provide them in return. Check it out now at patreon.com slash mynameiskingdom. And remember that you can find me across all my social media at mynameiskingdom, including Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, and Instagram. But let's move forward with the show, kids. My guest today is a play-by-play broadcaster for the uh, Ontario Hockey League's Hamilton Bulldogs and... For Alpha One Wrestling, one of the top independent professional wrestling promotions in Canada. Uh, I'll let you know that, uh, well, a couple of things, as you'll find out during the interview. uh, Our guest and I broadcast wrestling together at Alpha One for a while. And I miss doing that with him. I'm hoping to get back to that someday. But um, more importantly, we recorded... This interview at 10 a.m. on Saturday morning, and if you've been listening to this show for any length of time, you know that 10 a.m. is, that's a death sentence to your Uncle Kingdom. I usually get up about 9, I feed Chloe the cat, I go back to sleep for a few more hours. (laughs) I've been nocturnal for 20 years. 10 a.m. is cruel. I would only do this for our guest, Reed Duffy. Call Reed Duffy. Calling Reed Duffy. Hello? Hey, Reed. Kingdom James. How's it going, buddy? Pretty good. How about yourself? Well, it's very early in the morning for me, so... (laughs) This is ridiculous. Like, I mean... (laughs) You're one of the you're one of the few people that I would do this for. <laughs> you're the best, buddy. It's fucking it's ridiculous. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand how you people do this day after day, <laughs> getting up and operating like fully functional human beings in the goddamn daylight. Like well, I mean I, I daylight, dude. The, the worst the worst part of it is when you gotta go into the office for 8.30 or 9 o'clock, and you're not calling a game until 7 in Sarnia. Oh. And by the time you get home, it's 3 o'clock in the morning. 
and you don't really know where you are anymore. <laughs> mm. I used to do hospital work, so I understand the concept of seven o'clock in the morning. I just don't. Uh, it's not a fun concept. I don't. Be- <laughs> I, don't I just don't believe in it anymore. Like I mean, I I, I, I know it exists, but oh, why? Why would yeah, you? That's why would question. you bother? <laughs> what? What are you doing at seven o'clock in the morning that you couldn't do at noon? I don't get that's it. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. Yeah, it's bullshit. I'm telling you, it's absolute bullshit. <laughs> it's all fake news. Uh, it's fake news, frog. So what? Uh, what the? What? What's the deal? You? When was the last time you called a hockey game? Oh boy! I think we're already uh, doing the podcast. <laughs> yeah. When was the last, uh, last time you called time, a hockey game? Yeah. March March eighth or ninth of twenty twenty. Wow. So there are just hundreds and hundreds of sixteen to twenty year old delinquents wandering around small town Ontario looking looking to do something. All a bunch of a bunch of kids whose parents have told them the same thing my mom told me when Sheridan College went on strike in 1989. Well, you're not just sitting around the goddamn house. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yep. And 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 it's it's uh it's become a, a real problem because I mean the rinks aren't open. So these guys haven't been able to skate. Yeah. Oh man! And then uh, new season's supposed to start in October, so it's like, all right, once we get going, everybody's wow. got to be right back up to speed. Wow. Uh, do you think? Do you think all of the league's teams will return in October, or do you think there's going to be some casualties as there's been in the AHL or the ECHL? No, I-, I-, I should say. I know it. I know at least one ECHL team has said, yeah, we're done. Yeah, I think, uh, luckily for us, from everything that I've seen so far, everybody's expected to return in October. I haven't seen that anybody uh, isn't going to come back. I saw the ECHL has a, has a casualty, and uh, the AHL, I think, had two teams move but didn't fold. Mm. Um, as far as I know, we're going to be okay. And uh, twenty the 20 teams that were there when we paused the season in 2020 we'll be back for september and october 2021 yeah when uh, when you yeah we're definitely already into the, <laughs> into the <podcast. laughs> when, uh, i mean you had had a history in broadcasting let's go back a little and uh, as i accidentally uh, shoved the cat with my foot um you got into broadcasting in, uh, I want to say it's 08. You were in college and you yep. ended up doing, uh, Hamilton Bulldogs gigs when the Hamilton Bulldogs were an AHL team. Yep. How do, how, how do you get that gig? How does that gig exist for a, a college volunteer? Um, a whole lot of luck. So Mohawk College was providing a television truck and volunteers to the AHL Hamilton Bulldogs to shoot their games and provide videos, and they were airing them in a, um, a closed circuit on campus. 
So to do that, they needed a play-by-play announcer. A couple of my uh, professors said, hey, why don't you go down and, and try out for uh, that spot? Uh, I did, and um, I got it, and I pretty much called the entire home season for those AHL Bulldogs and had a great time doing it. Wow. But I, I, I just, <laughs> it's hard to fathom that an AHL team, which is for, uh, for people who don't know hockey, the easiest, now everybody seems to know ba- how baseball minor leagues work. The AHL is the triple A league of, uh, North American professional hockey. So you're talking about yep. one step below the NHL and yep. they're, and they're using, they're using volunteers from the local university <laughs> to call their games. What? How do you end up in that situation business wise? <laughs> well, they, they at the time, actually, they had, um, a regular, uh, radio broadcast as well. So mm-hmm. the, the, the thing that, that was funny about what I was doing was I wasn't even in the nice broadcast gondola where I am now. I was in the second deck of seats having to set up my own little broadcast booth and at the end of every game tear it down. <laughs> and and all of that by myself, just for the opportunity to be able to do this. Oh my god! So, I I, 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 it might have been a sickness, but I knew that this was what I wanted to do. Yeah, and I was going to take any opportunity to do it. It's also a pretty good indication of why the Hamilton Bulldogs of the AHL did not last. Like, I mean, what? <laughs> I'm not even looking at it from a skill standpoint because I've sat next to you to see you call pro wrestling. I, and I've heard you call hockey. I know that you deserve that gig and you earn that gig and how damn good you are at the gig. Uh, I'm just, I'm fascinated by the fact that the conditions existed for you to get that gig. I, I think it was just, I, I really, I think it was luck. I think it was because the college was covering it for video yeah. that they threw the college a bone and said, okay, you can have somebody come up here and, and call the games for your closed circuit broadcast. But then the Bulldogs would get the footage and then they were able to package it any way they wanted for uh, okay. social media and, and that sort of stuff. I, I really think that that job was really just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Have somebody come up here and, uh, <laughs> and, and do it for you. No yeah. problem. And then it just turned out I happened to be pretty good. So that, that gig lasts what for, uh, three seasons? No, I only did that one for one season. And then I wound up at, um, cable 14 in, in Hamilton, the, the local cable station where I was for, uh, pretty well a decade yeah. of doing absolutely everything any sporting event that you can think of in the city of hamilton i have probably called it at some point wow uh but you also i mean you stay with hockey you start doing allen cup and so cup games and uh when when the ohl comes to hamilton and uh i i don't know they found a bunch of jerseys laying in the locker room they said okay we'll call the team the bulldogs uh, <laughs> did did you go to them 
and say, hey, are you looking for a play-by-play guy? Or did they come to you and say, hey, we need a play-by-play guy? Who, who uh, reached out to who for the, for you to get that gig? Well, it started with the, the TV station. So at the time, Cable 14 was going to cover every home game uh-huh. for the, the Hamilton Bulldogs. And they said to me, look, we're looking to um, do every game. We need a full commitment for the home games in the season. The only thing that, that, that got my back up on it a little bit was I had worked for the station for almost 10 years, and I had to audition for my own job. <laughs> but needless to say, I, I got it, and uh, I ended up with the TV side for, I think, four seasons. And then in the fifth season, the Bulldogs were looking to bring in a new uh, communications coordinator as well as radio play-by-play announcer, mm-hmm. a job directly with the organization. That was what I really wanted. Uh, and they contacted me. We put something together. And uh, I've happily been a member directly of the organization ever since. Very nice. So uh, <clears throat> so I, I, I have to ask, I mean, you're, you have the job you want with the organization does that mean that you don't have aspirations for uh, an AHL franchise again, or possibly even more? Does does Reed Duffy eye any open seats in the NHL and think, I should be there? Uh, I think it would be a a situation-by-situation type of thing. I'm super happy with the Hamilton Bulldogs, but I think... I'm pretty sure that any NHL opening, if I was offered it, I'm pretty sure I would get some serious heat if I even thought about turning it down. I, <laughs> I, I think the organization would tell me to, you better take that and, and run. And, and there's obviously a few. I mean, it's no secret that I grew up a, a massive Boston Bruins fan. And if, if that seat was offered to me, that uh, there, there wouldn't be. It'd take about a quarter of a second for me to make a decision on that. The AHL... Um, Somewhat complicated. I mean, that's definitely a situation by situation type of thing because you, you got to make sure that, that the money's going to be right if you're going to live in the States uh, for half the year. And there's a lot of factors around that. I mean, it would have to be a good deal for me to, you know, leave from calling things in my hometown and being able to live comfortably. But, uh, the NHL, I mean, if an, if an opportunity came up and I was the right fit and it were then yeah absolutely you know I'd love to uh I'd love to call games at the NHL level. It's very diplomatic of you sir. <laughs> have have you uh at any time reached out to well I I mean with the NHL it's mostly uh for television it's the broadcasters for radio it, it it's uh it would be the individual teams, I think that uh, that you would have to go through. I'm not uh, don't don't quote me on that. But have you uh, reached out to any any team or any broadcaster when you knew that there was an opening open? Oh, of course, absolutely. Uh, Las Vegas when they expanded into the league, Seattle when they expanded into the league, Calgary when they had a, a an opening several years back. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Bruins had a radio search a little while ago. Um, yeah, I, I've, I've definitely thrown my name and, and my uh, demo reel into the ring a number of times. I've had a lot of conversations with stations and, and teams at that level, and um, very productive. You know, you learn a lot going through those 
those experiences and what they're looking for and, and in some cases where you need to improve as an announcer to make it to that next level. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I haven't gotten one of those jobs yet, but I, I feel like I, I get better every time and that it feels like I get closer every time around. So then how does a guy who, uh, to my way of thinking, has a legitimate shot at being an NHL broadcaster at some point, how the fuck does he end up calling indie wrestling? <laughs> uh, what, well, go- Matt, what goes we- wrong? <laughs> <laughs> that was definitely insanity. Um, growing up a, a wrestling fan, and I mean, I, I, I think I told this story to some of the guys in the, in the locker room, but the reason that I, I grew up such a wrestling fan was my house was the only one on the block when I grew up that had the super stations. Uh, and we okay. had them. Dad's a Bruins fan, so we had WSDK out of Boston, but to get that, you had to buy the package. So, of course, we had TBS, 605 Saturday night. Mm. Destination viewing, Jim Ross calling Sting and Rick Rude and, you know, the Rick Flair and the, the WCW is what I, I fell in love with as a kid. And I always wanted to call professional wrestling. And it just so happened that uh, Alpha One needed a guy at a time when I was available to do it. Mm-hmm. And um, I started out doing one weekend of shows. It was the King of Hearts tournament when they ran the back-to-back. And essentially the deal that I made with, uh, well, everybody knows that it's, it's, it's Julian that promotes it. Yeah. And the deal I made with him was, I'll come in and do the weekend of shows if you like me. We can keep going. If you don't, thank you for the opportunity. It, you know, I, I, I appreciate it. And uh, that was over 10 years ago, and I've been calling Alpha One matches ever since. Wow. And uh, <clears throat> in, in a similar similar vein, let's try and speak English this morning. In a similar <laughs> vein, uh, do you have any aspirations for possibly calling the action and the WWE or AEW or Impact? Um, specifically for me, Impact or AEW. Um, okay. I, I, I understand, um, I've, I've listened to a lot of interviews. And, uh, I've had contact with people who've worked in the WWE and the way that they are produced. Um, oh. I, I gotta be honest. I don't, I don't think I would work well in that, uh, in that environment, I, I, I don't I, like having somebody controlling everything that I'm saying. Are, my are you are you too good to have Vince McMahon screaming at you for three hours in your headset? Is that what you're saying? You can, you're too, too good. good for that. Come on, Not too buddy. Good. I just have no interest <laughs> in having him scream at me for three hours. So I, I would I, if if Impact knocked on the door, if AEW knocked on the door. Uh, absolutely, I, I'd, I'd love to. It would be something that, again, as a kid, two things I wanted to do were call hockey and, and call wrestling. And, yeah. Um, if I was able to do either one of those on a national television level, oh, I'd love it. Yeah, it, it, it'd be fantastic. And with the way that Impact and they seem to have their footing now with everything that they're doing mm-hmm. and a partnership with New Japan and bringing in some of the uh, the Mexican luchadors and then you see AEW just keeps on growing and growing. I mean, yeah. either one of those would be a great spot. And what's it like to actually work for Ethan Page as a promoter? 
You know what? I've, I've always loved it. Uh, he is such a, a high energy guy. Uh, he knows what he wants. He knows the sound he wants on his broadcast. I thought, to be honest, you and I made a hell of a team. We were a good uh, team, man. We were a very good team. I thought so. I mean, I listened to our stuff back and I, I still think that, uh, we were excellent together. And I, I think he and I just have the same vision of the way that wrestling should be done and the way that wrestling should sound. And, uh, I've always in, enjoyed working with them. And because of that, I've gotten to, to meet a ton of great people, a lot of people that I'm very lucky, including yourself, to still call friends. And, um, I, I can't say anything bad about working for him. Uh, he, he's a little bit crazy in his own way, but it, it's one of those lovable crazies. Oh yeah, I you know I've absolutely experienced the crazy uh, <laughs> from him. <laughs> you know, uh, I've 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 had him pumping me up, cut a promo, had him pumping me up to say no, I need more, and like screamed myself hoarse. Oh, I remember. Yeah. Son of a bitch. You know, I talk for, I talk for a living, dude. I have to go to work tomorrow night. <laughs> and there's more than once that, uh, that, be, you know, uh, being on an Alpha One show led to me, uh, being almost like 99% unable to perform my <laughs> stupid day job properly. But, he he gets that out of you, man. He uh, he convinces you that that is the right thing. Have have Absolutely. you ever? Have you ever gotten specific directions from Paige about a match? Um, in, in a way, yeah. I mean, certain points that he really wants me to hit in in terms of selling a story and and getting the backstory out there and. I, I'm lucky in the sense that, again, he and I think the same way about it, but he is fantastic at drilling down and, okay, this is where I need you to hit, and, and then you figure out how to craft it into the call, but I need these points in it. Or um, I did a, a an in-ring promo uh, to fire Stokely Hathaway, the, the general manager. My nephew! <laughs> you fired yeah. my nephew? I fired him, yes. Sons of bitches. Well, he, he was trying to screw Ricky Shane Page. I had to I had to do something. Uh, whatever. <laughs> so uh, that my... one that promo was five minutes of Page. Alright, let me hear it. And and giving it to <laughs> No no no. I need it I, I thought th- this is had this had to have been what it was like working for Paul Heyman. It has to be. Yeah. Except you probably got paid at the end of the night. But I'm shh, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I did. I did. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me, what what are your favorite matches that you've called for Alpha One? Do you have any oh, particular yeah. favorites? Um. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ricky Shane Page and uh, Greg Iron in the dog collar match. Ah, very uh, good. Yeah, is is one that was incredible. Uh, Kobe Durst and uh, Josh Alexander Iron Man for the Alpha Male title was uh, was amazing. Um. Pretty much anything that I called with you during the oppression era. <laughs> Just because that story was so awesome, and you look at the talent that was involved. Yeah. I think Justin Sane is one of the most underrated wrestlers I have ever seen in my life. Absolutely. Any Anything that guy is in, 
it turns to gold. And then to call those matches with you playing full heel, and, well, I mean, that's kind of natural. But but being, <laughs> being, full King, <laughs> being full Kingdom James next to me on the mic calling Justin Sane and Lionel Knight as the tag champions was yeah. just awesome i love that angle i really i really do and i was i'm i'm pretty proud of how the end of it turned out with uh with me and brent and then and then josh alexander firing me so (laughs) yeah that was that was all just awesome stuff and actually go back in in time and uh one of my one of my favorite uh wasn't really a, a favorite match, but a favorite moment was when you introduced Prison Money, Kobe Durst. Uh, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I, I'm still not sure how those storylines came together, but we ended up on one Alpha One show doing a 10 on 10 tag, and it was <laughs> the oppression, and, and, which is like the, you know, we were doing the full on black militant gimmick because Paige loved the nation of domination Paige of course was, he did he's his hero yeah <laughs> as the the rock in a yep. faction yeah so uh it was so it was the oppression teaming up with Kobe Durst with blonde blue-eyed uh, like milky white is he's not just a white boy as he's milky white oh yeah <laughs> he is yeah he uh, Kobe Durst could absolutely, to this day, be on be in the cast of a Degrassi reboot. <laughs> he's 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 twenty one Jump Street material. He's he's yeah. gonna he's gonna look like an eighteen year old or, or younger forever if he doesn't s- keep smashing his face up in wrestling matches. But well, uh, uh, and I'm I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it was Paige's idea as a rib, but we... Oh, no, I know it was Paige's idea because he's the one that had the markers. We covered... This is so mildly racist. To... <laughs> to, to make him... To make him appear like he could fit in with us, we covered him in quote-unquote prison tattoos... That we spent about an hour and a half drawing on Kobe Durst's torso with washable magic markers. And it yep. was just every bit of stupidity we could come up with. And then once we got into the ring, what was it during the promo? He, I think he was about to drop the N word and we stopped him as part of the no. gag. What was the deal oh. that we, what was it that we stopped him from doing? The part that I remember you stopping him from was you guys had the fist. Oh yes, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> we we're doing we we're doing the we we're doing the raised fist salute, and when Kobe went to do it, we we put his arm down and we gently told him, no, 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 that's not for you, that's not for you. <laughs> and he tried to do it again, and we no, 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 no. We we appreciate thought, we appreciate you trying to hang, but no. <laughs> I thought Lionel was gonna kill him. <laughs> Lionel, I, you know, I love Lionel Knight so much. That guy, he is, he is just a fucking bundle of energy. And I'm, oh, yeah. I'm sure you know about, uh, I'm sure you know the Carrot Fest story where, uh, he and I met. Yeah. 
Doug Ford. Um, but there's a thing. There's a thing that happened that, that this a part of it that gets told less often, where we're walking, we're walking through uh, Bradford, and we're commenting on how we have not seen another black person all morning. <laughs> And it's true. We we had the morning show for Carrot Fest. We had not seen another black person. We uh so we're we're walking up this hill towards, you know, the, the main intersection, the, the center of town. And uh suddenly on the right hand side there's this little like three or four store strip mall. And I noticed that one of them is a is a Caribbean restaurant, it's a West Indian restaurant. And Lionel hmm hmm. And he walks towards the place. And I'm like, what are you doing? He he walks towards the place. He opens the door and sticks his head in and yells, who owns this place? <laughs> and there's a black guy inside. And he just he turns his head and he's like, uh, I own the place. Is there a problem? And he goes, nah, man. Just checking. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy, the guy doesn't give him any grief. Doesn't <laughs> doesn't add, doesn't tell him he's an asshole or anything. He just says he just says, "Yeah, I understand." And fist bumps Lionel. <laughs> I, I, the best part about that is knowing Lionel, I can picture every part of that. Yeah, and he comes, he walks back over to me, and he's got this shit-eating grin on his face, like you know, you just gotta, we gotta stick together, man. We gotta make sure. <laughs> We gotta make sure. Oh, I love that guy. He's awesome. Just again, I, I said I said about Justin saying one of the most underrated I've ever seen. Lionel's in that category too. The things that guy could do in the ring, yeah, were were just unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. I I I wish that uh, I wish that more of the guys were, including including Preston, Preston Miles, Young Miles, who was uh, oh. you know. Uh, mask number one. I, 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 I wish that, and Brent Banks, of course. I wish that those guys, uh, were getting a shot at it other places or able to travel, willing to travel. I don't know what it is, but, uh, uh, the world needs to see that entire group. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, and of uh, course, with, with you managing, <laughs> I, I wouldn't be upset. And of course, of course, um, uh, let's not, Let's not forget that the oppression had its own Owen Hart in uh, in the form of Brian Myers, who yeah. we we booted Brent from the group and we uh, we brought in Brian Myers to our uh, to our militant black collective. <laughs> what a what a coup that was, though. Yeah, <laughs> I managed I managed back to back Alpha One champions because. Yes, <laughs> we kicked we kicked Brent out, and then the belt went to to Brian. I think you are actually the the winningest manager in Alpha One history. You um, at one point had had two Alpha One Alpha Male champions and the tag team champions. That's right. I am the goddamn best. <laughs> and if uh, I wasn't, and you were, I, I, and you I, were I, still calling shows with me. Yeah, you were all over the place. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, I'm just awesome, and I'm glad you understand that, Reed. I always did. I always <laughs> did. <laughs> do you, do you have any? Uh, okay, 
No, I know you're 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 a very polite person. You are very you <laughs> you and and you're what is this cat one? And uh and and you are a very positive person. I try to be, yeah. 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 I I need to hear a bad story from you. I need to hear I need to hear a, a, either an alpha one or a hockey story that you were involved in where you just like your 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 takeaway was fuck that guy. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> don't oh. don't change names, don't pretty it up. I want to hear. No. I want to hear a story from you where you were just like that. That guy. I want to set that guy on fire. You know, it, it, it's funny because you say don't change names. I actually, it, he was so insignificant that I didn't remember his name. Oh. Um, but one of my first real big, at, at what seemed like my my first real big broadcast at the time. So the first time I ever called a hockey game on cable 14. So this is my first go uh, as a hockey play-by-play guy on um, on a cable station. So I'm thinking, okay, this is, you know, at the time, I'm I'm barely past 20 years old. I'm thinking this is, uh, I don't even think I was 20. And I'm thinking this is a big deal. So I want to I want to make sure I get everything right. And it's the first time that I met who became my my longtime friend and broadcast partner Troy Islicar, and we hit it off right away. Um, and we're, we were ready to rock and roll, and we had the opportunity. It was the Hamilton Red Wings and the Burlington Cougars, and we had the chance to go down and talk to the coaches. Mm-hmm. The coach for Burlington could not have been nicer, could not have been a better guy. Just any question we had, uh, he, he answered no problems at all. We go to the Hamilton side, and we didn't get the coach – we got either the, he was the general manager, the assistant general manager at the time, and all we wanted to know was you know who's in the lineup, who should. It's like the first game of the season. Yeah. We weren't at training camp. We needed to know like who should we be watching for, um, you know, goals for this team, especially early in the season. Where do you see yourself? And all we got back from him was, well, you guys are the broadcasters. Shouldn't you know who to watch for? <laughs> How do you think oh. we find out, asshole? <laughs> well, and I'm thinking, boy, now I'm still new. It's a good thing this wasn't 10 years down the road. Yeah. Because I'm, I look back at it now and I thought, boy, you were really going after the guy who has the open mic about your team on live air? Mm-hmm. That's not a good plan. Uh. That's a at the time, I was too young to do anything with it, but I remember walking away with Troy. And full disclosure, my broadcast partner, Troy, is a former Halton police officer. Oh, very nice. Okay. And he was so. looking at me, and I didn't know what to think, because at the time, I'm long-haired. I mean, I looked like a hippie. Like, I, I looked like I had just come off the beaches of California. <laughs> and he looks at me and just goes, what an asshole. <laughs> <And> <laughs> From that moment on, he and I have been, have been great friends, and uh, yeah, that that was the moment as an announcer. I've never, I, you know, honestly, I don't think I've ever had one in in wrestling where somebody has been that much of a jerk. Mm. Um, Jake O'Reilly hit me in the nuts in a in a uh, show in Niagara Falls in the back, and. Um, 
That I didn't take too kindly to, and I tripped him when he made his run in. But uh, to... <laughs> you tripped Jake O'Reilly. Yeah, he he tried to chase me off in the broadcast booth, and I stuck my foot out. <laughs> um, oh, no offense to Jake O'Reilly, but fuck, I love you for that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just I thought, okay, all right, that's that's fine. I mean, I was I think it was a, a Neo Wrestling at the time. Okay, in Niagara Falls. And yeah, they brought me in for one show, um, to do their commentary. And I don't know if he just, I guess he just didn't like me. I, 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 I don't know what it was, but yeah, I just kind of stuck my foot out on him. And, and when he made his run by the desk while he was trying to intimidate me and was like, okay, well, all right. Terrific. So, no, I'm, yeah, that was, I'm all for That was it. the only time. <laughs> and what is the worst injury that you've seen live in either sport? Oh, the worst injury. I mean, I I thought Greg was in big trouble in the dog collar match with the the, the cut, but uh, it turned out he was okay. Yeah. Um, the worst injury that I think I've seen live. So, uh, calling the Hamilton Bulldogs their first season in Hamilton, Justin Lenski, our captain, broke his leg Eesh. hitting the boards, Eesh. and you're hoping in that moment that everything's okay, and then you see the foot turn funny, and it's like uh, that. <laughs> Uh, there was that one, and then calling a mixed martial arts show in London probably five or six years ago. I'm working with Robin Black, and mm. there's a heavyweight fight, and it was the Anderson Silva Chris Weidman injury. Ew! No, I, you know what? I kick. still I still have not seen the Weidman footage because I saw the Anderson Silva footage, and oh. I want nothing to do with it. <laughs> I got. I got to tell you, it's one of the hardest injuries to call because, you, you, I mean, there's just nothing you can say. Everybody sees it, yeah, and you, you don't know like what the condition of the guy is. It's such a freak injury that, and for it to happen to heavyweights, the guy goes to step back and just nothing there, oh, and it, oh, it was, Ugh. yeah, it, it was, it was really that one. Uh, either that one is, is a lengthy injury. Those are the two that stand out as the worst ones that I've I've been on the mic for. Yeah, I just I I I. Uh. <laughs> I can give you I can give you a funny injury story if you want. One. Oh please, we need to cleanse the palate now. So one of the the first uh, mixed martial arts shows that was televised in Hamilton was a, a promotion that I worked for called Global Warriors FC. Mm-hmm. And at the time, two guys who would eventually go on to fight in the UFC, Jason Sago and Jesse Ronson, are squaring off in a lightweight fight. Now, our producer for the show, and I love the man. His name is Bill. He's a wonderful man. He's one of the kindest people you, you could ever meet in your life. But he had never watched mixed martial arts before. Okay. He didn't, he didn't know what he was in for. So, Jesse Ronson is backing Jason Sago up to the cage, and he smacks him with an elbow right across the bridge of the nose, breaks his nose. Jason Sago is bleeding. In my headset from the truck, I hear, oh my God, he's bleeding. Isn't somebody going to stop the fight? (laughs) No. (laughs) Uh, Nope. Nope, they're not. Nope, it's going to keep going, Bill. But just And then to, to see Robin Black, who by that time had probably called thousands of fights and on the other side of me is the UFC's Mark Bocek mm-hmm. and at the same time they both turn and look at me 
Because this is the station that I work for yeah. with our producer screaming in our headsets. And almost like, what are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> that one always stood out to me as one of the funnier uh, moments while I've had the microphone. Oh, man. Uh, all right. Since we're on, we're, well, I mean, I don't know if that was a serious note, but... Uh, how do you feel about seeing some of the uh, bigger name wrestling talents that you've uh, you've called matches for you've you've met and know? How, how do you how do you feel when you see them being uh, called out on social media for some of their uh, less than savory behavior? Oh boy, yeah. that's. Um... That's that's so tough. I mean, uh, some of those guys that I know that I've met and, and have, like you said, called matches and, and been so friendly with in the back, and then to find out some of the stuff that they've been accused of, I, I mean, you really have to, to take a, a second look and, and, and wonder, you know, it, it almost makes you question everybody around you because you, you don't think that. I mean, a bunch of wrestling people in the locker room – everybody's kind of, you know, working towards the same goals. Nobody's getting rich in indie wrestling. No. And you, you feel like a, a bit of a brotherhood in the back that way. And then to find out that some of these folks are doing this kind of crap is really disheartening. And I, I remember, um, especially the, the first night when the whole speaking out thing came through and messaging um, Julian and, and, and messaging Josh Alexander, messaging Brett Michael David, like, Ricky Shane Page, some of my closest friends in the business, and like, what guys? What is what is going on? And uh, you know, I, I'm this is one of the reasons that I'm I'm super grateful for uh, Julian Ethan Page and making that statement immediately that anybody who's caught up in this will not be working for Alpha One. We're not going to put ourselves in that uh, situation. Luckily, there wasn't too many guys. Uh, that have come through Alpha One on the list, but a yeah. couple of the the more egregious ones had been there. And I mean, I, you know, I had my wife in the back at shows. Like, yeah, that's 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 just creepy. That's just creepy. No, but I'm listen. I I think it's been fantastic that the that the industry, uh, even if it's even if it's you see. I think it's fantastic the industry is cleaning itself out. What I'm, yeah. the, the thing I'm disappointed in is that it's taking the fans to do it. It is, uh, it is in a, in a lot of ways victims rising up to say, why are you allowing these people, uh, uh, you know, behind your curtain? Um, as opposed to the industry itself saying, hey, we see what you're doing and fucking knock it off. Now, for me, one of the things is that I'm in the back before and after shows, but during the show, I, I really don't get to come in and out because you know how busy we are yeah. when we're, oh, we're yeah. doing those shows. And I mean, a 10-minute intermission, you might be lucky to get a bathroom break yeah. before you got to be back at the desk to start. So from what I've seen, there's never been a problem with these guys in Alpha One where somebody would have had to have done that. But we know that they've done it in other locker rooms yeah. where people could have called them out and didn't. 
And that to me is where the problem was. Somebody should have put a pin in that a long, long time ago. I'm glad that it's happening now that these people are getting essentially thrown out and, and said, you know, you're not going to work here. You're not going to work with us if you're going to be this kind of person. If you're going to do these kind of things and, and victimize these people, we can't have that. Yeah. We need to be able to trust the people that we're working with. But I think they're, you're right, Kingdom. There's a lot of people along the way that, that missed opportunities to really get into these people. Again, like I said, I'm, I'm lucky that my experience has been with Alpha One, and I can't remember any even whispers of misconduct in the back in our locker room in all the years that I've been a part of it. But it was definitely happening in other places where people could have put a stop to it. Yeah. Uh- who let's let's get positive again here. Um do you uh, do you watch other wrestling shows at this point or are you are <laughs> have you reached that saturation point that a lot of wrestlers do where it's like ah I can't I can't even turn it on anymore. It becomes a busman's holiday. Yeah, I I I got that way with WWE a long time ago. <laughs> um I, I I don't watch the product. Um, AW I watch regularly, yeah. and Impact I watch regularly, and I try to keep up with New Japan just because I really enjoy the style of wrestling and some of the athletes they have over there. I mean, Shingo to me is one of the the best wrestlers in, in the world today. I always enjoy his matches. Yeah, but um, those are the three that I really try to keep up with. And then I, I just recently got the call from. Uh, Dan's the dad down in St. Louis to, to start putting my voice to glory pro. Oh, very nice. So, uh, I've been keeping up with them just because, I mean, so many friends have been there. So um, I'm very excited to be doing that. But those are the ones that mainly I keep up with, and especially with so many friends that have gone to either AEW or uh, Impact. So it would be very difficult not to watch those ones. Yeah. And uh, who do you see – uh, on on the indies, or especially in Alpha One, who do you see that you think not just should, but actually will get a chance? Like they're 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 a phone call away from uh, from from stepping up to that next level. Uh first thing that bounces to mind is Mark Wheeler. Yeah, I mean when you look at that guy physically, um, there, there's not a lot of people that look like that, and. He, he's incredibly athletic. Uh, he can, he can do everything inside the ring. Uh, it, it'll, it'll sound a, a bit uh, of a, a homer call because he and I are, are great friends, but BMD, Brett Michael David, the, the character, uh, and then what he can do in the ring. I mean, you see a big guy like that and he is, he is a fairly big guy. Yeah. And he's going up to the top rope and doing 450s. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's sickening. It, it, it really. It, it's dis- it, it it's disgusting, it, and he needs to stop. <laughs> it's, it's like it's like watching a Canada goose in flight. You just how? Is that? <laughs> He's what? your friend, you say? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. No best friend. But yeah, I, I told him this. I told him this on our Let's Talk Bud show. It, when you go up to the top rope, it just doesn't look like it should work, but it does. Yeah. So and, so you're uh, saying he's pretty he's pretty aerodynamic for a milk jug? Yes. That's such. <laughs> Maybe, maybe, possibly a beer keg, knowing, knowing yeah. but, and he's, and you know what, he's one of the, the best guys in terms of personality. Yes. Anybody would love to have him in the locker room, just because yes. he, he's hilarious. Yeah. Those are the two guys, in, in terms of uh, younger guys, uh, newer guys, uh, 
quote unquote on the scene. And I look at some of the, the other talent that we've had roll through. I mean, how Ricky Shane Page is in an impact or an AEW is, yeah. is absolutely beyond me. Um, again, you, you look at a guy who is a big, big man, but he's so athletically gifted. The things he can do again, it just doesn't look like it should work, but it does. He's incredible in the ring. Uh, Kobe Durst will get a call somewhere eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just don't, I don't want to miss. Oh, Jody Threat, one of the best young women's wrestlers on the planet. And as there are more opportunities in places like Impact and AEW for women to really step up and, and step into the forefront. How can you not look at her? I mean, I've seen her press Holden Albright up onto her shoulders. Yeah. Like, it's unbelievable. And one other guy who I've always loved uh, in the ring, and again, another guy that, especially his match with Davey Boy Smith Jr., I, I thought, how can you not take him somewhere after that? Shane Sabre. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I love his stuff. Yeah. And he can do anything. It, his tag team with Kirk Warmack, his tag team with Space Monkey, two completely different styles. He makes it work both times. Yeah. As a single, he can, he can work a bit of comedy. He can do the technical stuff. I mean, I've always been a fan of his. Uh, he's one of those guys that just blows you away with his, with his skill. So with, with names like that in mind, uh, you know, we've talked on this show and there's been constant conversation online about, um, what, why does the wrestling scene in general, uh, you know, the indie wrestling scene seem to discount Canadian talent? And I- I'm wondering if you have an opinion of what the Canadian indie, uh, talent of today should be doing to, you know, A, prepare for the return of wrestling, uh, uh, en masse. When you yep. know border, the borders reopen and everyone's vaccinated, what should they be doing to grow their brands in general? I think one of the, the best things, and I've seen BMD do it, and I've seen now Cody Lane do it. There's another guy who could go on that list of mm-hmm. guys who's eventually going to be in a, a big promotion. Um, y- you need a real online presence because you need to stand out, and if you build that following online, people are going to come to your matches. They're going to watch them online. They're going to talk about you, and that buzz creates more and more and more, and, and you're going to get more opportunities the more buzz that you have. Um, some of the guys, it, it's tough because I don't, I'm not a, I don't want to be in a position to say these guys need to, uh, you know, you need to be in the car and you need to go to St. Louis or you need to go to uh, Chicago and, and you need to go and get, you know, even a, a prelim spot on the card to get experience. But you do in some ways. You need to yeah. go to see them in AIW or AEW or go down and see Dan and Glory Pro. Uh, these are guys who are constantly looking for talent and looking for the next talent, and you just need one opportunity to make an impression. I know that in my spot as an announcer, after every show that I do, Ethan Page comes up to me and asks who I thought was a star on that show. And and who do we need to be focusing on moving forward, in my opinion? Yeah. Like, always make sure that... And the other thing is, for young guys in the back, you need to go up to guys like Ricky Shane Page, Ethan Page, Josh Alexander, and ask them how to conduct yourself as a professional wrestler. Mm -hmm. Ricky Shane Page 
one of my favorite people in the world, even in his early days in Alpha One, would come to me as the play-by-play guy and tell me what he needs to get over. What's the story of his match? Yeah. How can we make this better? If you find a play-by-play guy and talk to them and tell them what you need to get over, we're going to do it. We want the show to be better. Yeah. Don't ever be afraid to come to a play-by-play guy and say, hey, I need you to put this over for me. Yeah. Because that's what we do. That's what we're there for. We're there to get you over. Yeah. Other, otherwise, otherwise, you have to fill in all those blanks. Yes. And, and wouldn't it be better if you were uh, sharing how that narrative is being told with the guy you're focusing on? The entire run of Ricky Shane Page versus Kobe Durst is one of the things that people have really given me a lot of credit for with how I crafted that on the microphone. And I appreciate the credit, but I can't take nearly all of it. That story was built with Julian Ethan Page, Kobe Durst, Ricky Shane Page, and myself in the locker room. It probably only took 25 minutes. We built an entire story around these two chasing one another. Yeah. And all we had to do from there was keep track of where we were. And because I was let in on that, I was able to make that story mean more. And on the other side, if you want to be an announcer in wrestling, study everything. Yeah. Learn the history of wrestling. There was a reason why when the dog collar match between Page and Iron happened, that I said that this was the heaviest blood feud to end in a dog collar since JYD and Michael Hayes, mm-hmm. or since Greg Valentine and Roddy, and Roddy Piper. Piper. Yeah. You, you need the sort of historical gravitas of situations if you're going to be an announcer to understand what came before and why these things are important. So, I mean, a number of things that guys can do to get better, and why Canadian talent is, is so underrated is, is really a mystery to me overall, because... To me, I think the best bell-to-bell wrestler in the world right now is a Canadian, and that's Josh Alexander. Yes. Very much agreed. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, two last questions, and then we're going to let you, we're going to release you back into the wild, my friend. Uh, that's dangerous. First of all, uh, do you think there will be more Alpha One wrestling? Um, taking, taking my heart out of it, uh, I, I think my heart would say, absolutely. What are you asking that for? My head is saying, I think there will be, but it's a matter of when can you actually get rolling again? Because if you remember last summer, uh, Alpha One did run even in the pandemic in a, in a, uh, backyard in Oshawa. Yeah. Um, and it was it was a solid show. I mean, it was only Canadian talent, so you can you can only without the border being open, only about half the rosters available. Mm-hmm. That makes it tough. And if you can't have fans in, I mean, it, it's kind of hard to expect uh, the owner of the promotion to to foot that bill just to, to have the show running. Yeah. So as as things open up, I do think it will come back. I don't. I haven't heard anything that says that it won't as of yet. I'm not saying that couldn't change depending on how long this goes, but I've got a lot of hope that there will be more Alpha One wrestling once these restrictions lift. Yeah. And uh, now we're going to put you, we're definitely going to put you on the spot. 
We're going to hold Ooh. you to this. Okay. Uh-oh. Who's going to be? All right. Who's going to be the 2020-2021 Stanley Cup champions? Oh boy! <laughs> the this is the biggest jackpot question in Canada. Every year, who's going to win the Stanley Cup? Um, for another year, I think the 18th year in a row, it will not be a Canadian team. Oh, you, you um, think that even even with an entirely Canadian division guaranteeing that one team makes it into the semifinals? Or the conference finals, yep. I should say. Yep. There's you're guaranteeing a Canadian team in the conference finals, and you're saying no. You're saying that no. any of the that none of those teams <laughs> that none of those teams can make it. No, I don't think so. Wow. I, I look at the other. I look at the other three divisions. You traitor! And, uh, you traitor! I know. I know, but I, I I look at those other three divisions, and it's been iron sharpening iron all season. Yeah. Um, I, I just I know everyone is excited about the Leafs. They've got a great team, but I think there's going to be a bit of a, a culture shock moment when they play somebody like a like a Colorado or a Vegas mm-hmm. that has been playing against big time competition all season. If I had to pick one team right now from what I've watched so far, I'd go with the Colorado Avalanche. Okay. Speed, mm. size, skill, goaltending. I mean, they've got a good penalty kill. They've got a great power play. They've got one of the best players in the world, Nathan McKinnon. Uh, one of the best young defensemen I've ever seen in Kale McCarr. They are, they have every piece that you need to be a Stanley Cup champion. And they've got a great coach in Jared Bednar who earned his way up through the American League into the National Hockey League. And uh, and he's won an AHL Calder Cup championship as well. That's a guy that that can coach this team and understands what they need. I think they're right. They would right now be my favorite. I, I've been on their bandwagon all season. Uh, I hope my Bruins can do something about that. Mm-hmm. But uh, right now, I I watched them again last night against St. Louis, and that is going to be a hard train to stop. Okay. All right, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna remind you. You said this. Please do. <laughs> you can tell me how wrong I was on the next episode. <laughs> so you've heard it here, Reed Duffy, professional sports broadcaster, is choosing the Colorado Avalanche to win the Stanley Cup. We'll we'll see how he does. We'll see how he Last does. Last time this they finish. won the President's Trophy, they won the Stanley Cup. They won the President's Trophy this year. Okay, all right, all right. Uh, so Reed Duthie, tell people how they can find you online. Um, on Twitter and on Instagram, both at RC Duthie, and uh, of course, if you listen to Hamilton Bulldogs games, if you watch Alpha One, if you now watch Glory Pro Wrestling, uh, Three Lions Promotions Boxing. Um, prospect fighting championship, you will hear my voice at some point during those broadcasts. Um, I, I love talking to fans, especially about wrestling, because there's one thing I found is there's so many knowledgeable wrestling fans out there that are, are great to chat with. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I just love the fans. I can't say enough about the, the fans who've supported me right from the beginning. So uh, thank you to those guys at RC Duffy. Very good. So, uh, Reed Duffy. 
thank you very much for coming on the Handsome Genius Club radio show today. You know what? It's been a long time coming, my friend. I have missed you tremendously through this. It it is a pleasure to be talking with you again and broadcasting with you again. And uh, hopefully at some point in 2021 into 2022, we get to do that again. Oh, that would be fantastic. Yes. I am, uh, if, uh, if Julian decides to listen to this, I, uh, I would be happy to come back to Alpha One. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing the Joey Styles gimmick. I need Cyrus, right? I, I, I got <laughs> Oh, okay. All right. I'll take that. That's, a, I, I, I don't mind that comparison at all. <laughs> all right, brother. Take care of yourself. Thanks. You too. <laughs>